This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. I am your host, Beverly Isla. Thanks for tuning in. Today's show is all about dispelling the myth around having a special needs dog. And unfortunately, dogs with special needs are often surrendered or seen as not adoptable because it requires time and attention that many cannot afford or want to do. So our special guest today will share her insight on why dogs with special needs can bring just as much joy as other dogs and are very much adoptable. Kathy Simmons is an author, a veterinary technician, and certified canine rehabilitation practitioner from Massachusetts, who is an advocate for blind and visually impaired dogs. When we get back from these messages, we will have Kathy jump on. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Kathy Simmons, an author, a veterinary technician, and certified canine rehabilitation practitioner from Massachusetts. Thank you for coming on today, Kathy. Thank Um, you, Beverly. Thank you for having me on the show. The great yeah. opportunity. Thank you. <laughs> For sure. So first, why don't you quickly go over what is a dog with special needs? Because I'm sure that term can be misconstrued. Certainly, certainly, absolutely. I think, Beverly, I think that we can look at dogs as special needs. It may vary in your special needs. So you may have a dog that has a behavioral issue. So we have dogs that might be you know, reactive towards people or dogs. And so that becomes a special needs because it requires a lot of I didn't even know that. Owners, yeah. So, and then the other thing to think about is that we may have dogs with physical impairments. So we have dogs that have mobility issues or issues with function and ambulation, such as dogs that might be, maybe there's dogs that are, you know, a dog that's in a wheelchair or a dog that has an amputation. Mm -hmm. So dogs would probably also be considered special needs. And their needs may vary depending on, you know, their mobility issue. And then you have the category of sensory impaired dogs. So we have dogs that are out there that are blind. We have dogs out there that are deaf. And we have dogs out there that are blind and deaf. So those dogs definitely would fall into the category of a dog that would be considered a special needs pet. That's probably the most common ones. (laughs) Yes, I would say so. Yeah, I would say so, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what's your story? Why did you commit to this cause? Like you... Just totally like narrowed in on visually impaired dogs. Right. So as you mentioned, I'm a veterinary technician and I specialize in canine rehab. So my 
specialty really is working in dogs or dogs with mobility impairments. So we see a lot of dogs that are, you know, post-op orthopedic surgery, dogs that have neurologic diseases, dogs that have osteoarthritis. And it's my job to come up with therapy plans, carry them out, and to educate the owners on what it's like to, you know, live with a dog with a mobility impairment. But privately, I'm living with pugs that are, you know, ruling my life (laughs) behind the scenes, right? So what inspired me is my very first dog I had went blind suddenly from a condition called sudden acquired retinal degeneration syndrome. And this happens very quickly. Dogs can lose their vision in in 24 hours or over several days. It happens very quickly. And so I had this pug that was a very bold, very confident. I mean, if you've seen pugs, you know what I'm talking about. Confidence you know, funny, just a really bold guy. And after he went blind, he he lost that confidence. He was withdrawn. And I thought, I've I've got to come up with a plan here for him to not only get his life back, but to get that love of life back, get that spark back. So I started documenting things that I was doing with him. So I started working with his confidence and teaching him how to map his environment and doing some positive training with him and helping him develop problem-solving skills. And, and that really brought him back to, you know, this bold little guy. And I thought, wow, how long documented. did that take? Poor guy. It, took a while, it took a while. I would say a good six months of working with him, you know, and training him and, and getting him to understand, you know, I got this. I'm going to show you that in a positive way. I'm going to show you that I'm the leader and we're going to do this together, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he really responded very well to that. And so I documented it and that's what inspired me to write my first book. Uh, blind devotion, enhancing the lives of blind and visually impaired dogs. So I thought, I've got to help. This is an area where, as a technician, I can be so much more helpful to clients who are going through this and have a resource right. for them. So it was sort of, you know, it was ingrained already in me to teach clients about their dogs, mobility and parents. And now I'm like, I've got to tell you how great blind dogs are. <laughs> <They're> fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. No, I have to ask, is so, this common in pugs or... Unfortunately, pugs are a little bit in the higher category for certain okay. diseases. Yeah. So, and that will lead me actually to, you know, fast forward to my, after my second dog passed, I adopted a third pug who was already blind from sudden acquired retinal degeneration syndrome. And when he came up in rescue, I said, this is our dog. We're going to get him because given all I had learned, I know that I can give this dog what he oh, needs. that's nice And of you. Oh, Beverly, he was the greatest dog. <laughs> <laughs> It was the greatest. And that kind of, you know, that, that inspires me. It inspires me to tell people these dogs are out there and they're adoptable and you, they can have interesting and joyful lives and you can integrate them into your family. Yeah, I completely agree. Now you have, <laughs> how many you. do you have now? You have three? I do. Well, you know what? We just lost this last pug. He passed uh, not too long ago from a condition not related to his vision. And, um, you know, we're, we're, oh, sorry to hear. we're on, we're, thank you, we're, but we're on the prowl for another dog and, and yeah. probably a, <laughs> probably a visual, you know, visually impaired dog as well. So huh. do they help each dogs, other out? I mean, if there's they, more than one. They actually did not know each other, but it's a good point that you bring up because I think that this is the most common question I get from owners. If I have a blind dog, can my dog take cues from the other dog? I go, yes, absolutely. Hmm. These dogs are just like any other dog, they're looking or listening for cues and they can get them from people and they can get them from dogs in the house or maybe even the cat in the house. So they're, they want these cues. And if these dogs get along and they're getting along together, then yeah, they can absolutely take cues from each other. So that, that's probably the most common question I get with blind dogs. <laughs> 
Although anything that makes it easier, right? (laughs) I think it might. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what are the main assumptions that you think are out there that are completely opposite from your experience? I think that there certainly are some misconceptions about adopting dogs that are blind or visually impaired. And I think that some of the misconceptions are, one, they're they're not adoptable, which I, I would disagree. That they're not trainable, which again, I disagree. I mean, blind dogs learn just like everybody else's dog. They learn through operant conditioning and they learn through repetition. So there's no reason a blind dog can't learn or can't be trained. Um, And I think, and I think the other thing that's in this conception is that these blind dogs might be sad or that their lives aren't joyful because they don't have vision. And that's also not true. You know, if we think about how dogs interpret their environment, it's all through olfactory. It's all smell, right? So that's a large portion of their brain is, is smell. So that's how they get information about people and other animals and their environment. So arguably, I mean, their hearing is really good. So arguably, vision might be their third, you know, sense. So, you know, smell would be first, and then maybe hearing, and then maybe vision. So it's not the number one way that they get information. So they can learn things, and they can be, yeah, they can be trained. (laughs) Wow. So how would you train? What would be your technique for, I don't know, like training how to sit, like something they would usually use their eyes for? Right. Yeah, exactly, because you're going to use a hand signal. You can do lots of things with my first dog. I used clicker training because I I really like oh, okay, a positive yeah. style of a positive style of training. So you know, I would when my dog would sit, click, get a treat, and then he goes, "Oh, hey, I'm going to repeat that behavior because when you sit, you get a cookie." So and and the other thing you can use is touch cues. So when your dog starts to sit, you can also you know put maybe a one finger touch maybe on their rear end or a little swipe on the you know thigh and. They're going to start okay. to learn the association between the touch cue and, and they're like, oh, I, they touch, I sit, I get a cookie. I'm going to repeat that behavior. No, gotcha. They can learn. Yeah, they can learn. <laughs> and they're smart. <laughs> <laughs> but how about if they have both visually impaired and um, hearing? That, yeah, that becomes a little bit more effort, certainly, because you have a dog that has two sensory impairments. Mm-hmm. And again, they can learn and you'd probably, you know, my, my first inclination would be teaching these dogs touch cues. You know, this touch means, you know, sit, this touch means down. And that does take a little bit of effort. But again, these dogs, I think they want to learn. They want to communicate. They want to have predictability. They want to know what's going to happen next. And they want to have, you know, cues about what's going to happen next. So I think that that is possible to train a visually impaired dog and a deaf dog. As For well. sure. That's it's awesome. It's going to more effort. <laughs> I more bet, effort, I bet. But it, has, it can happen, yeah. <laughs> wow. And what advice can you give uh, to those looking to adopt a dog with special needs? Well, I think that if you're going to adopt a dog with special needs, then you really need to do your homework. So you need to find out what that dog's needs are. So if you have a dog that you're thinking about adopting that maybe has cataracts, well, then we need to find out if this is going to require medication? Is this going to require mm-hmm. eye drops? Is this going to require multiple veterinary visits? And we also need to learn how to create and maintain a safe environment for that dog. You really need to do your homework and make sure that you are able to meet those needs for that dog. And if you are, then great. That might be a great match for your family, but you really need to do your homework first. For sure. Well, I'm pretty sure if they're, if they're even considering that route, they probably have... <laughs> Hopefully. Yes, they probably, exactly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) In your experience, like, I I know with me when, uh, 
when I foster, when I used to foster dogs and I would talk to the rescue organizations that I'd be working with, they tend to keep special needs dogs in forever foster homes. And I just always wondered why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is, first of all, let me just say how much respect I have for people who do rescue, transport and shelter work. It's tireless. There's always a dog that's, once you get a dog out, there's always a dog that's going to come up behind them. And, yeah. uh, and you know that these people work yeah. tirelessly and sometimes it's thankless, you know, and they work tirelessly to, to get these dogs adopted. Now, I guess what, sure. I would like to, what I would like to say is give these dogs a chance. You know, I, just like any other dog, I think they deserve to have that chance. But you're right. I think it takes the, you know, we have to do our vetting and make sure that we get the right family and the right person and the right match for those dogs. But, you know, I, if they could just get a chance, just like everyone else, I think that it's possible. I think it's possible to home those dogs. Absolutely. Now, we're just going to go on a quick break and we'll continue sure. talking with Kathy. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We have Kathy Simmons on today talking about dogs with special needs and the myths that come with it. I know we started touching about this before the break, and I know rescue organizations simply can't take in all the dogs. So many, many choose the ones that are deemed to be adoptable. And you did start giving advice on what rescue organizations can do, on who, or or at least the rescue organizations who may feel they can't take in a special needs rescue dog because they think it may not be adopted. Yeah, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. And and you're right. The problem of the overpopulation is so, yeah, it's so dramatic. It's yeah, yeah. And they're, like but I, I just said, feel so bad, like fine. just because they're they're you know special needs and they go straight to the I quote on guillotine. I just feel so bad. <laughs> I know, I know. They just got to get a chance. They just got to get that chance, you know. <laughs> and I'm hoping, like I know, a big part of it is finding fosters that can yes. you know make room for for these dogs. And I'm just gonna throw this question in there. So for the fosters that are looking to foster a special needs dog. I mean, we're, you know, like, uh, we can't all be experts. I'm definitely Mm -hmm. not an expert, but what quick advice can you have for fosters? First, yeah, and first of all, if you have an opportunity to be a foster for any of those uh, reputable rescue organizations, that I think is going to be the biggest help for them because that's for sure. we need, we need yeah. more fosters. And I think that you don't have to be an expert in special needs dogs necessarily to have, you know, because dogs are dogs, you know. And so, yes, we do have to be careful and, and maintain that safe environment for these blind dogs or visually impaired dogs. And we are going to have to learn a way to 
teach them to sort of map out their environment and, and train them. But I think it's possible. And I think that it's also very rewarding. So if you're, can you imagine how great it would feel? You're a foster mom, you get in a little dog that that's visually impaired or blind. You bond with that dog, you teach that dog, you give that dog confidence, and then you hand this dog off to a family that's going to love him, you know, and how joyful, how much joy that dog is going to bring to a family is got to be very rewarding. For sure. Unless you, you, yeah. you become a foster failure and <laughs> adopt. It unless you become a foster failure and just stays. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> so you termed it mapping. What did you say? Mapping your environment? Yes, we can teach dogs to map their environment. So essentially teaching the dog how to get around the house and minimize bumping into stuff. And certainly we can do that by a, a couple of ways. We can do that by repetition. So if you get a new dog into your house, what uh-huh. I did with my third dog who went blind is I got him on leash and I walked him from the bowl gotcha. to, okay. the, yeah, to the couch, from the couch to the back door. And we do that a couple of times a day, each day until he kind of mapped out. Okay, I know that if I go this way, I can get to the door. And I know if I go this way, I can get to the food bowl because mm-hmm. I've done it repetitively. And so I got to be careful, don't leave things, you know, in his path and so forth. You can also do a little bit of like, you know, you could do a little bit of scent marking with some, you know, uh, presented location markers. I believe they're called tracers. Now you can put them on things and, and the dog starts to associate the scent with the object oh, okay. that it's attached yeah. to. So you can give them just, it's just another trick in their bag to give them a chance at like olfactory success. You know what I mean? Yeah. Finding the, yeah. finding their way back to the source of the smell. Just be hmm. cautious when you use those because airflow is a significant factor in using scent markings or scent locations. So usually I tell people to put them in an area where there's minimal airflow so the dogs can track that scent right back to something. Gotcha. So that's just another tool. Yeah, it's another tool in their bag, right? How long does it take? Like, um, I don't know, like uh, it'll take less than a day for them to get familiar? <laughs> I bet that depends on the dog too, you know, and how often we are repeating that, like teaching them where their reference points are by walking them through the house. It didn't take my dog long. I want to say when I got my third dog that it probably took him a good three, four days to get like the layout, layout of the house. Now he still bumped into stuff, you know, here and there because he's blind, but he got it down. He knew where to get the food and water. He knew where the kennel was. He knows where the back door is. And for me, that's all I really need. I need him to be able to move safely throughout the house. And then be able to alert me at the back door that he has to go to the bathroom or that he needs water, you know, or he's like, I'm done with you. I'm going in my kennel. For sure. (laughs) Exactly. Because in his kennel. So um, (laughs) I don't need him to run a marathon. I just need him to be able to safely navigate the house. And so (laughs) that's it. That's all I'm looking for. (laughs) Well, that's good advice. Very, very good. (laughs) Thank you. Now now tell us about your last book and what it can teach readers. Sure. The, the The book I most recently published is a children's book. And it's loosely based on my dog's, the third dog, Digger, Watching Out for Digger is the name of the book that I wrote for children because I thought I really need to be teaching children about animals with disabilities. Mm-hmm, and, yes. and I think that what we're, te- what we're teaching them when I read them this book is that I want them to have empathy and compassion for living creatures, right? And I, I want children to understand that just like people, dogs come in different shapes and sizes and colors. And just like people, some dogs are blind, some dogs are deaf, and some dogs are in wheelchairs, but they all have value. <laughs> so I want the kids to know and understand that. And I, my biggest hope, of course, is that it translates to the way we treat each other, you know, with, yeah. <laughs> with compassion and tolerance. Yeah. But, um, and that was my hope. You know, I think it starts there with these kids. The more people we can educate For sure. um, and get out there publicly and let them know that this is possible, 
I think that that's going to increase the likelihood of these dogs getting adopted. For sure. I always thought that um, animal cruelty really does start with the, with the young ones. It starts with the children. So that's, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they're, they're open and they're open to it. They're, they're open to it. They love it. When I read the story to them, they, you know, no kid has come to me and said, Oh, that dog is fine. That poor dog. They're like, no, he's <laughs> having fun. And you know, <laughs> and we have fun. So they're open to it. Awesome. Good for you. And I wish your book the best in <laughs> spreading Thank compassion you, Beverly. for the children. Thank you. So before we wrap up, though, what encouragement can you give for those considering surrendering a dog uh, mm. with special needs for reasons, whether it be finances, time? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, what I might suggest is if you're having trouble with finances and your dog is, the first thing I would do is reach out to the veterinary community and, and talk to your veterinarian. Do they have payment plans that we can use, uh, that we can set up at our veterinary office so that we can get our dog's medical needs met, but also maybe pay it off a little bit at a time? Check with your shelters for things like low-cost spay and neuter, vaccine clinics, microchip clinics. Um, there are organizations that will help people with financial relief for their dogs. The one I mm-hmm. can think of off the top of my head right now is uh, redrover.org. And they help, oh, yep. they can help people. Yep. Yep. And they help people with their finances, with medical expenses and check with your, and if it's a time thing, then reach out to the, the pet sitting community and the dog walking community and see if there's somebody who can assist you, for sure. you know, during the day, maybe take your dog out for a walk. Now, the thing I, I think is important to get across is that if you need to surrender your dog, mm-hmm. then you also need to do your homework here. The thing we never want people to do, Beverly, you know where I'm going, is, is try to <laughs> yep. rehome their dogs. Try to rehome their dogs to the one ads or Craigslist or oh, something gosh, like that. Yeah. You want to find a reputable rescue organization. So that means doing your research, talking to the rescue group, find out what they're all about, talk with them, meet with them, find out what their vetting process is for potential adopters, find out if they do home visits, and also find out if they have a policy. If it doesn't work out, can that dog come back to that rescue Absolutely, organization? Absolutely, yeah, that's key. So it's key and we want to make sure because that's going to give us the best chance of success for placing this dog with a family that that's going to be able to provide his needs and have him in their home and incorporate them in their family and keep them forever. So make sure you do your homework on your rescue organizations and and don't rehome your dog through Craigslist. Do not re yes, awesome. please do not do that. There are a lot of really great reputable rescue organizations yes, out is. there. So just do your homework. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Kathy. Bless you. Thank you, Beverly. Thank you for your valuable insight. We are out of time, so please do check out her work at blind-devotion.com and her books, uh, which are listed on Amazon. Are they also on your website? They are, yes. Perfect. So do check out her work. Amazing, amazing. Thank you to our guest and our show producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>